Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to This Week in Review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, inflation is stuck in the double digits. It was supposed to come in below 10%, but did not. At some point here, something's got to give because we've got the bond market with interest rates or yields below, I believe, 4% for, for some of the shorter dated bonds. And yet we've got inflation at multiples of that. So who's got it right and what's going to give? You've got it right. We've always said inflation would prove to be much stickier than anyone thought because there is not just price shocks through Ukraine and elsewhere. There is something called monetary inflation as well. And we've been saying this consistently now for a very, very long time. Inflation is a disease of money caused very much by government. The thing that did shock people this week was a genuine expectation with what had happened in the energy markets that would be back below 10. And the markets were really waiting on a pivot for this. So now, of course, the market thinks rates may go to 5%, um, and maybe they will. Uh, maybe they will. Obviously, food price inflation has been the real driver of these numbers. Um, and yeah, you know, this, it, it, this problem, you know, it is not going to be 2.9% at the end of the year. Rishi Sunak, dream on. Jeremy Hunt, dream on. I don't think it's going to happen. So, but look, you know, I think we maybe we will maybe we will get one or two more hikes in rates. But I can't see I can't see it being dramatic. Uh, you know, I can't see it being huge. But maybe we do go up half a percent or three quarters or something like that, um, which obviously is a bit of a dampener for the property market. Obviously, is a little bit of a dampener for the stock markets. Um, but as I say, for us, it's no great surprise. Yeah, and what about currency markets? Because in the first quarter of 2023, the pound was the best-performing G10 currency. Not that anyone was mentioning this on the media. And of course, this 10% inflation figure has added further tailwinds to the pound because it implies more tight monetary policy than elsewhere. Are you expecting the pound to continue to rally? And what does it mean for investors? Yeah, I, I am actually. I think we've had a period of very, very... I mean, the pound's been very low for a few years. Um, and that's why you've got so many private equity firms from America uh, looking at picking up FTSE 250 companies that are being delisted. You know, this has been a relatively cheap place to invest. Um, does the pound rising mean that you get a slowing of that kind of investment? Probably the opposite, actually, because they probably say, wow, actually, do you know what? It's still very cheap compared to where it has been. You know, we were pretty used to a 145, 150 number against the dollar. It's still only 125 or so. So, no, I, I, I think a steadily appreciating pound against a euro that's got all sorts of conflicts and problems and a dollar where, you know, because of what China's doing diplomatically, uh, you know, the pace of China's diplomatic mission around the world, you know, it deals with Brazil to price products in one. You know, these things are really happening. So there is a little bit of doubt around the dollar, the de-dollarization theory. So I think we can expect the pound to be very steady, yes. Let's dig in a bit more to that de-dollarization. That's our topic in the Fleet Street letter this month. But yeah. let's mention some of it without giving too much away. Uh, what's going on here? We've, we've got the US dollar is the global reserve currency. It's the currency that all companies and countries use all around the world where they're invoicing each other, with the exception of inside the Eurozone. Um, that is slowly starting to change. Why is that? What does it mean? Well, 20 years ago, the euro, well, you know, one of its stated intentions was itself to become the global reserve currency. Now, that's proved to be for the birds. Um, but even within Europe, you know, people buying and selling oil or copper 
they're generally going to price it in dollars. They may price it in euros, but they'll generally price it in dollars. So yeah, virtually every major commodity global transaction has always been in dollars. Hey, I was a commodity trader, you know, and I remember this stuff well. But of course, the growing, the growing economic significance of China, but equally diplomatic. This is the I'm repeating this point. I mean, they got the Iranians and Saudis in a room together. There's actually going to be a Saudi royal visit to Tehran. This would have been unthinkable six months ago. You know, I've mentioned Brazil, I could go on with Honduras, etc., etc. China is on a massive mission uh, to try and agree, you know, commodity purchase and sales in Guam. And it looks like com- it looks like countries like Brazil are beginning to agree to that. So hence the big debate, you know, about de-dollarization. Now look, we're not there yet. We're not there yet, but something quite big is changing. And uh, we, we shouldn't underestimate the growth of China in terms of economic significance or even potential military significance as they become ever more bellicose about Taiwan. So yeah, big fears in the States that at some point in the next five to 10 years, you know, the dollar stopped being the global reserve currency. As I say, we're not there yet, but there are some early, early signs. Yeah, we started talking about this when it was sort of the geeks and and very you know mm-hmm. very specific narratives that that nobody really considered plausible, and yet here it is in mainstream news all of a sudden. Uh, what do you think the investment implications are, though? Because of, typically a falling dollar is, is sort of good for all asset prices, but does that still apply when it's about um, de-dollarization? Well, this is this this is a very powerful point. I, I you know normally you know weaker dollar. And and you, you're going to get a lot of prices actually going up as a result of it, not down. But I, I, in the short term, the old rules will apply. Longer term, I think it's anyone's guess, frankly. Let's finish with an odd question. The Australians have decided they've had enough of their central bank making a complete mess of inflation, and they're going to reform how monetary policy is set, or at least who is doing the setting. I'm not so sure this is going to solve the problem. But I'm, I can't wait to hear whether you think the Bank of England should be reformed in some sort of way. It, 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 this, this really is amusing, isn't it? Because when politicians had real control over interest rates and all sorts of forms of monetary, not just fiscal, but monetary policy too, it was inflationary. Because come every election, there's a big splurge. And an inflationary bounce after the election. So the idea was, mm, we can't do that. We've got to stop politicians behaving like this. We'll give the Bank of England genuine independence over all of these levers. Um, Sadly, um, we've been disappointed because they've got virtually everything wrong. Um, I suppose in the end, I'm a believer that in a democracy, you should get what you vote for. Whether that is good or bad, you should get what you vote for. We can't, you know, we can't vote for the government of the Bank of England. We can't remove the government of the Bank of England. We can vote for different political parties. So imperfect, though it may sound, um, I'm going to put trust in politicians and not the Bank of England. Um, and I wonder whether that won't be a bit of a trend around the world, given that virtually every central bank has got inflation over the last two years wrong, wrong, and wrong again. Unless, of course, Nigel, it's a deliberate effort to try and help governments with their debts. Because, of course, inflation is running so far ahead of interest rates, it is devaluing the debt without having to pay more interest. Yes, and, you know, you could get very, very cynical governments, you know, that use inflation as a tool to reduce the real level of debt. And I get that. 
and I understand that. Um, but all I can say is the Bank of England have done a rotten job, a completely rotten job over the course of the last couple of years, and they're not accountable to anybody. So I think we'll move much more back towards politicians having some of these big decisions. I think that's the way that it's going. Biggest worry of all, you know, is that the one thing that the bank, the banks, central banks, and government are united on is they want CBDCs. And that's a far bigger question that's coming down the track of us with, you know, the beginning of the introduction of it here in the UK in 2030. I think you're right about politicians trying to take some control over monetary policy because that's what people will demand. Uh, they will no longer buy this idea of central banks independent and therefore yeah. they will get everything right. Nigel, thanks very much for joining us. Thank and you. Karen Poe, thanks for watching.